I've always been in the camp of like, we'll return to kind of pre-pandemic because our industry and think us as humans, we kind of crave that interaction. We crave those shared experiences. That was what we try to deliver with the RBC Can Open, that opportunity for a shared experience. The willingness to look at what other organizations were doing, what other golf tournaments were doing, what other businesses were doing, and try to apply that to our experience. Now we've got a template that we've unfortunately had to put on the shelf the last couple of years. And that's created a whole other opportunity for new innovation. But we've got something that we feel really strongly about once we have the opportunity to come back and be able to run with. And we drive over $82 million of economic activity out of the RBC Canadian Open. So that's significant. Never mind like 2 million that we leave with charity and community organizations that we work with. So there's recognition of how important those are in providing support to organizations like ourselves to invest in new enhancements is wildly beneficial to an organization like ours that would have to do it much more slowly or perhaps not at all. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, Thanks so much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started here, I just wanted to thank one of our supporting sponsors, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software empowers tournament management at thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator who wants to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Brian Crawford, who is the RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director with Golf Canada. The Canadian Open, organized by Golf Canada, was first contested in 1904, and it's been played annually as the third oldest continuously running tournament on the PGA Tour. As Tournament Director, Brian is responsible for the day-to-day operations and revenue for the RBC Canadian Open, as well as the growth and development of the event on an annual basis. So... I know I mentioned it's been played continuously, a uh, bit of a hiccup with this little thing called COVID, and that's one of the main things Brian and I are going to dig into today about how they, in the last two years of unfortunately having to cancel the event, of how they're reimagining that and getting themselves ready to go for 2022. So with that introduction, Brian, hey, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I have to ask you this out of the gate. It's a bit non-golf related. As an icebreaker, I asked my guests what their the relationship is with golf when they first swung a club, their most favorite moment. And I will ask those, but I've had other pro athletes, especially LPGA and PGA Tour players on the program and from other sports. This is the first time I've had an ex-professional football player. I believe you were seven <laughs> years in the CFL with the Argos. I believe you played only for the Argos and had a great career there. Is that that's right? You actually played in the CFL, yes, right? I can confirm that uh, rumor is true. So yeah, no, I'm a football guy at heart and was very fortunate to have a pretty lengthy career in the CFL and all for one team uh, in Toronto. Now, I'm a born and bred Hamiltonian. So I'm basically branded a traitor to have uh, <laughs> won the double blue in the CFL. And uh, no, wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, you know, played collegiately at Queen's University and was, was drafted uh, the Queen's. I'm a multi-sport person and I played a number of other sports as a two-sport athlete through university as well. And I've worked in a couple of different sports, basketball and worked in the university sports setting. And yeah, just kind of a true lover of sports and believer in the importance of sport for people and our culture and our society, our community and kind of well-being. So it's been great to be part of golf uh, since 2018. 
Nice, nice. Okay, I, got, I have to double back here a second with the uh, the, the Hamiltonian thing. I grew up, uh, what, 40 minutes from me. I grew up in Brampton, so suburban Toronto for all of our American listeners that uh, don't know where we're talking about exactly. And yes, the Hamilton Tiger Cats is the CFL team that is the arch rival of the Toronto Argonauts. And my dad definitely will not listen to this podcast now, Brian, because he is a diehard Tiger Cats fan back to the Angela Mosca days. Of course, everybody's going, well, who are you talking about? But you know who I'm talking about. So yes, he said, I don't know if he can be your friend because you betrayed your hometown there. But hey, that's professional sports. That's what well, I've got do. a quick story for you. My grandfather, uh, as I said, born and bred Hamiltonians, lived in East End, walked to DeFasco for 47 years. That's the the large steel company yeah, here in yeah. Hamilton. It's like a Pittsburgh of the North. So he's a diehard Cats fan as well, season ticket holder, basically his, his whole life. And I had him come to his first Argos game in Toronto. I'd never been to Toronto to see the Argos play before. And uh, we're playing the Cats. And so he's sitting in the family section with my wife and family members. And doesn't he wear his Tiger Cat hat sitting in the Argos family section cheering on his grandson playing the Tiger Cats. Amazing. Uh, so needless to say, we had to get him some new gear, but he wasn't interested in wearing it. <laughs> ah, that's... <laughs> See, they're, they're, they're hardcore fans. See, you got to stay loyal. You know, like apparently the cats are thicker than blood in this case here. So yeah, you, you come in oh, second. Yeah. You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So yeah, you talk about uh, multi-sports as an elite level athlete that you've played. And I see professionally here, once you got through business leadership and management, post-secondary studies after your professional football career that you were with Basketball Canada, if I get that correct. So between that and also in professional football, then now, of course, with Golf Canada. So I want to ask you first, before we talk about your professional affiliation, how you ended up that next step in your professional career with Golf Canada. How about you personally with golf as a football player? I know a lot of baseball players and surfers and, and other people in other sports love to play golf, but I, I didn't know that how that worked with football culture. So talk about that. When was the first time you ever picked up a golf club? So this might be shocking. So I didn't start playing golf until I joined Golf Canada in 2018. So my first round, like true full round of golf was at PGA West in California with uh, some colleagues. And so I've been playing pretty regularly since then. And I've had the good luck and fortune to get to work with some of our national team coaches and uh, get coached up. And I would say I've certainly become a lover of the sport and would love to play kind of more often than once a week, but you know, I've got a young family and uh, that's not in the cards, <laughs> but yeah, it's something I've uh, really been enjoying taking up and been seeing, you know, rapid improvements been fun to see and feel comfortable getting around a golf course now. So it's, uh, it's been good, but yeah, no, it wasn't, didn't come from the golf background at all. I'd never even had my own real set of clubs. I, I wasn't really keen on just hacking it around and figuring it out. I really wanted to be coach. I wanted to learn the right way. And I just never really was interested in doing it that way. So forced to do it once I joined uh, Golf Canada, but I was a willing participant. And at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that uh, neat things about sports is that and sport business is that the uh, size of the playing surface or the shape of the ball is really pretty irrelevant. You know, the challenges are all the same or very similar, especially from a sport business perspective. And in some ways, having a, a wider lens that's from outside the sport is actually really beneficial. I worked at uh, Canada Basketball, as you said, and was I'm not a basketball guy either, and was able to apply a wider lens to the problems and challenges and understand that there's other organizations, whether it be in sport or business, that face those same sorts of challenges that you can apply their learnings and adapt them to your environment. So it's actually, I think, served me very well and served the organizations that I've been fortunate to work with as well. Nice, nice. Well, 
I did want to follow up on, on that comment there as far as looking outside of the industry you're in or the sport that you're in and pulling in your experience there. So I want to touch on that. But I, I do want to say I'm very jealous of fact that you never picked up a golf club and started learning the right way because I wish I could put myself in a time machine back more than three decades where I was, even as a kid and a teenager, out there every once in a while, casting the club, all arms. Of course, no YouTube back then because I'm so old. And I have easily 50,000 or 100,000 bad swings that I've had to <laughs> extract from my muscle memory, which came, it's been so painful, Brian. So I'm on the right track now, but I, I'm so jealous when I hear these stories. No, I learned the right way, took lessons. And so you don't have all that garbage that I've got in there. So I'm, really I'm very lucky. Very jealous. Kristen Mullally deserves credit. And I've been, he's our women's team national coach and had a real good fortune to get to work with him. And I'm pretty lucky that way. That's not kind of a regular experience for most people. Yeah, it is not. And I certainly uh, suffered over a long period of time and still suffer every <laughs> once in a while when those bad swings rear their, their ugly head. So yeah, I just want to touch on the, the comment that you had made earlier there, just as far as your experience, how that's part of your secret sauce. And I found the same thing, my background in architecture for over 20 years, working mainly in, in sport architecture at that Olympic game design level and Pan Am games in Toronto and that user experience for that. And people then when we got into the golf industry, which we knew nothing about eight years ago, and some people would ask, how do you know all this stuff? It's like, well, ignorance is our superpower. We don't know how the golf industry works or you know all these preconceived decisions that you say that's just the way it's done, that you're able to think in a more cross-functional way and pull in all these other experiences that you have. So it sounds like that's part of your ability to create new value and innovate with what you're doing with Golf Canada and also with the RBC Canadian Open, I would say. Yeah, it was um, interesting. I, I was really fortunate in kind of the timing of my arrival at uh, Golf Canada. And the RBC Canadian Open, in a lot of ways, had kind of run into a little bit of staleness. And it, it had a big challenge following the Open Championship and, and just being a difficult date and kind of yeah. middle of the summer for Canadians. And everyone had done a great job to keep it a fantastic event and RBC, an amazing title and having Team RBC. And it was just, just a golf tournament. It wasn't maybe everything that it could be. And back in 2018, when the PGA Tour decided to redo the schedule and the support of RBC to be able to move the date to the RBC Canadian Open to the beginning of June really was a game changer mm. and opened up the door for so many great opportunities. And, you know, when you think about selling a golf tournament, to go from the middle of July to the beginning of June, now all of a sudden all your corporate clients, well, they can actually fill their suites because people are on vacation. Yes. You know, in the middle of July, they're like, oh, I can't get anyone to go. Everyone's on vacation. Well, beginning of June is like kind of a bit of a wind down time for everyone. Obviously, school's still in, but it's winding down. It's really the start of summer, the kickoff of summer. I mean, our slogan in 2019 was summer's open. And so we grabbed that. And that was a big change. And it also changed, obviously, the field and what type of players were going to come to the event to precede a major instead of following a major. So just a whole bunch of things that really started to really play in our favor that the doorway was open because of that date change, integrating with schools more and getting school groups on site. You know, we had several thousand students on site uh, in the 2019 event because we could do school day field trips out of it. And then thinking kind of bigger about it as a sport and entertainment property and not just a golf tournament. What that meant was new elements that we kind of added to it that are really what you see in sport now is that they are more than just whatever that sporting event is. And once again, the good fortune of having the title that we do at RBC that has a music arm to add a concert series. And we had 25,000 people attend two nights of concerts, you know, headlined by Florida Georgia Line. 
that was a huge component that brought in new golf fans. And the reality is the majority of the people that came to that concert all came during the day and experienced the event as a whole and not just the music. Very just anecdotally, your stories about someone who came with their dad because, you know, she's a Florida Georgia Line fan. The dad's a golf fan. They came together, enjoyed golf, enjoyed the concert together. And I have so many stories like that. And we continued with other things as well, like completely overhauling our food experience and creating a, a food festival experience mm. on site as well. So once again, it wasn't just the, the hot dog and burger and, and wrap at the concession stands, but that you could get wood fire oven pizza and poutine and fish tacos and all these great things. So we had all these groups, all these people that wanted the same thing for the tournament. And we were able to get everybody to steer in the same direction and come together and commit to all of these projects that all delivered on the strategic objectives that we had planned for them. And we had a record setting year and the weather worked out. You can't control the weather. I'd like to think I could, but I can't, but the weather was perfect. We had Roy McElroy win, you know, a guy that we worked really hard to recruit to get up here that mm-hmm. actually turned out and wins a tournament. We had a lot of things break in our favor, but they were also very strategically thought out as well. And, and I think when you do think about things strategically and you have good planning and rationale and data and, and all those sorts of things for making those decisions. Luck is only just a small part of it. It's, it's not by chance. And I think that was the willingness to look at what other organizations were doing, what other golf tournaments were doing, what other businesses were doing, and try to apply that to our experience. Now we've got a template that we've unfortunately had to put on the shelf the last couple of years, and that's created a whole other opportunity for new innovation. But we've got something that we feel really strongly about once we have the opportunity to come back and be able to run with. Yeah. So that's what we do want to talk about next is a couple of things that you you said there. One of them, that idea again about looking outside your industry, what's working, the trends, the validators, what's resonating in other industries and other sports, whether it's the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which for years has been the most attended golf tournament anywhere. And a lot of people would frown on that for years. I think it was kind of a big party and too woohoo, but it works. Let's give the people what they want. And I love the fact that you're taking elements from Top Golf also, where it's food, music, entertainment experiences, stories, magical moments that you have that happen before, during, and after every single golf swing. And appealing to non golfers, refusing golf fans, people that are reluctant, that maybe have lapsed, and to bring them back or bring them in just to expand that pool of customers and fans that you have. So I think you've done some great things over those two years if you reimagine that. So that's 2018, 2019. You're getting some momentum. You're figuring what's working. You're treating it like a startup, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, getting that product market fit. Sounds like RBC and your other sponsors are very happy. You're adding more value as you go. And then a little thing in March 2020 called COVID hits. You're, what, three months away from your event in 2020 and for the RBC Canadian Open. You've obviously got everything locked and loaded because you have to by that time. So tell us about those three months, which must have been brutal. So let's start there to talk about once COVID hit, the lockdown happened, and then you were still trying to scramble to see if this thing was going to happen. And then and then what happened after that? Yeah, I was actually in Florida at the beginning of March. I was at the Arnold Palmer and the players and saw what was happening. We're like, yeah, it's uh, time to get out of here and <laughs> go mm-hmm. home. Right. Got home. Basically, the day was declared a pandemic and the NBA shuts down and all that stuff starts to happen. So yeah, we were, we were pretty locked and loaded. We were just a couple of weeks away from starting our build. The build, the course is a 10, 12 week process. The interesting thing about working in professional golf tournaments is you're a bit of a, a construction foreman as well. Like right. 
it's a big project to build this, unlike an arena team or, or a stadium team that has this permanent infrastructure. And it's also what's different about the golf experience as a fan. Like you go to one of those other sporting events, you got a ticket, you got a seat, you kind of know where you go, you know how to experience the event. Golf is, it's a completely moving environment. You don't have a specific seat. Maybe you're in a skybox or you're in a suite or you're, you're somewhere. But for the most part, the majority of people on site don't have a seat. They're transient. And how do you watch the event? You sit on one hold, you sit on a tee, a green, you walk with a group. There's all these different ways to watch the event. So it's very different in, in that way. Mm-hmm. So luckily we hadn't started any of our build yet. And we were able to kind of put the brakes on that. And, you know, I think at first everyone's think, oh, okay, a couple of months, we probably should be okay. And we can delay everything. And we'll, if we need to shrink down, we can. And, and then obviously as it starts to drag on, you kind of realize that you're in this for a bit of the long haul and it becomes clear that you're not going to be hosting this year. And we were one of a handful of events that did have to cancel on the PJ tour. And Ironically enough, the PJ Tour restarted on our weekend with a different event. So that was disappointing and hard to see, but we kind of felt, okay, next year we'll be fine and we'll start to plan for this. And come about this time last year, we're like in planning mode for contingencies and what a reduced fan event and all these other sorts of scenarios. And as we just dragged on into the winter and you see some more challenges and just more roadblocks and barriers in place, and you eventually come to the realization we weren't going to be able to do it again in 2021. And that's certainly disappointing. Very personally, it's disappointing that you couldn't figure out how to make it happen and you want to be able to have figured it out. But at the same time, you also realize that it wasn't the time and place for a sporting event. It wasn't responsible and is kind of what it is. And we'll have a role to play in the recovery and the celebration of overcoming everything that everyone's overcome over the last what will be two years. So that's kind of what it's been like for the organization and everyone involved. Certainly disappointing, but we kind of know what our responsibility is and and are going to live up to it. Right, right. And yeah, it's been so tough. Well, of course, us up here in Canada, that extra layer of complexity of 14-day quarantines and having to stay in hotels. Logistically, it does, does not work for professional athletes or hadn't. People may be wondering, it's like, especially our American listeners, is like, well, a tour is back to business as usual. Why is the RBC Canadian Open not up and running? And for that main reason of the border being closed, quarantining, like so many other complexities of that, even though those are being relaxed right now, hopefully not getting constricted again with Delta variant now floating around like it is as a fourth wave. But I wanted to ask you this. Hopefully you're feeling a bit more bullish seeing last weekend when we're recording this, that in Toronto and Montreal with Tennis Canada, they just had the Canadian Open, both the men's and the women's for the first time in two years. So are you also looking, talking about looking outside of the golf realm, were you paying a lot of attention to those events to see what they were doing, best practices, so you could learn for next year? If so, what did you learn from that that you think you can apply for next year? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, The major sport and event environment, especially the National Sport Federation environment, is very small in Canada. And so Gavin Ziv is a friend of mine and leader at uh, Tennis Canada for the professional championships there. And we worked very closely together over the last year and a half, as did with others like Dean McIntosh at uh, Hockey Canada and on best practices, on where we are, on working with government and government relations on these sorts of things. The reality is, you know, when we canceled in April, part of that was about giving enough time for the tour to, to reset and, and have a replacement event and ensure that the athletes had a chance to not miss a week there. 
knowing that we were unlikely to be successful and, and that even if we were successful to be able to have the event, what that would actually look like. There's several hundred people that need to come across the border. There's several hundred volunteers that are still needed, even without fans. It's a big undertaking. So yeah, all of us have worked very closely together, shared best practices, shared ideas, shared our, our work, have worked together. So yeah, it was great to see them be able to take place. Being at the end of July, beginning of August, just a two months difference makes a big difference. Like hmm. right when our event was, we were just coming out of lockdown in Ontario, really. And so you can't have an event when you were locked down in the weeks leading up to no. it. So timing is kind of everything during COVID. And we've been in a spot where, you know, the timing hasn't necessarily worked out for us, but they're also one of very few, right? The uh, World Juniors has taken place, of course, curling was able to do some things in a bubble out west. World Championship for Women is coming up shortly, but there's been very, very few events now we're starting to see, obviously, the Jays have returned home. We're starting to see them, the MLS soccer teams. We're starting to see a CFL has now started up. And so there's a lot of positivity, of course, that we, makes us feel very bullish about. By the time we get to next June, we hope to see full-scale events with no restrictions. And I've always been in the camp of, like, we'll return to kind of pre-pandemic because our industry and think us as humans we kind of crave that interaction. We crave those shared experiences. That's what we try to deliver with the RBC. Can you open that opportunity for a shared experience and a unique experience? And I think we all want that. We've seen it already with these events returning. We've seen it north of the border. We've seen it other places. So I believe we'll come back. There'll be some changes. How sanitation and public health and food services, that'll just be part of how events operate now and, and our greater culture has changed as a result, but not to the point of reduced capacity and, and all those sorts of pieces. We've seen MLSE just announce the requirement for vaccinations for all, all attendees and uh, employees and everything. So if those are the sorts of things that are the new normal, then that's new normal. But I believe we'll see full buildings and full experiences again. And hopefully that we are starting down that path already. Nice, nice. I love that spirit of collaboration that you've reached out to other leaders in other sports and other professional sport realms. So you're not siloed and you're not trying to do this from zero, what a blank piece of paper that you are moving forward together and learning best practices. And that's that's the way to go. And unfortunately, a lot some people still don't do that. And that's how you really need to move it forward efficiently and, and effectively in, in a timely manner. And what, one of the things I, I love about getting to know Golf Canada and the leadership and the people there, including yourself, is you really do embrace a culture of inclusion and also innovation. And on that innovation side, I've learned as, as an entrepreneur that during recessions, and this is really the mother of all recessions, it is the most fertile ground in time to innovate. Rather than pull everything in and, and be really conservative, that's the time on the other side when you come out of it. That's when great things happen. You look at the 2008-2009 recession. There wasn't an Airbnb or an Uber or a Lyft before that. A lot of the social media platforms weren't there before. And we've seen what's happened with Zoom and other platforms during COVID here in the pandemic. So with that, I wanted to ask you, in the spirit of innovation, what excites you now that you're getting your feet underneath you again, and hopefully, fingers crossed, the 2020 you have the RBC Canadian Open, that it does happen. What excites you and the team about these new opportunities that you can unlock now that rather than just surviving, you're looking to thrive? So perhaps without pulling back the curtain too much, without revealing things you want to hold on for a later release date, but are there any things, Brian, you can tell us that excite you of opportunities, of the experience economy, of how you can reimagine experiences in 2022 and beyond with the RBC Canadian Open? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think with any challenge comes opportunities. I love the Airbnb example and the backstory to that. A couple of graphic designers that living in San Francisco can't afford their place and how they make some extra money. So there's a graphic design conference. So they put up their airbed in their uh, little apartment and breakfast, stay with us and we'll put you up. And I want to say the story was like, they had like seven people or whatever, take them up, all graphic designers going to this conference and all of a sudden realize, hey, there might be something here. People wanting to put up their room. You think about it, our industry, the golf industry has benefited. We've faced lots of challenges, of course, you know, golf clubs that haven't been able to do weddings and the F&B that they depend on for two years. That's a tough hit. But at the same time, we've never had more people playing golf. And the tea sheets have never been more full and there's never been more engagement in people that are discovering it or rediscovering golf than there has been in the last two summers. Every single month of the last two years is another record. That, of course, is a tremendous opportunity for our sport. And while there was continued growth and maybe the excitement and energy around it wasn't the same as the height of the Tiger Woods years, it was still doing plenty well. But this has been like another shot in the arm for the sport. That's a great opportunity for obviously our our industry, but certainly for us as a part of that industry running the major event within it, there's a whole new segment of people that have been turned on to it or rediscovered it that may be interested in seeing an event live and seeing a professional tour event. That's obviously a really great opportunity just right off the bat from the number of people that are taking notice of golf and being involved in golf. And we were on an upward trajectory before that. We have more Canadians on tour and, and not only on tour, but in the hunt every week and winning and both men and women for that mm-hmm. matter. speaks for herself, but certainly our men are as deep as they've ever been. But there's also other interesting things, right? You talk about coming out of recessions. There's always a boom, right? Coming right out. It's it's one of the best times economically. And, you know, we've seen records on the stock market and all these sorts of things. But government funding support programs where they have made available support to organizations, specifically in, in my sector that run, run events and festivals, to restart, to grow and develop because they are economic drivers. And we drive over $82 million of economic activity out of the RBC Canadian Open. That's significant. Never mind like 2 million that we leave with charity and community organizations that we work with. So there's recognition of how important those are in providing support to organizations like ourselves to invest in new enhancements is wildly beneficial to an organization like ours that would have to do it much more slowly or perhaps not at all. Previous federal government, we're obviously not in an election, but they had rolled out some programs through economic development for the event sector that could prove to be very impactful to not only our event, but others as well and driving more fans. And we had fans at the 2019 Canadian Open from 33 different US states, from all 10 Canadian provinces, from dozens of countries internationally. So it is significant and a significant economic engine. So the pandemic, once again, opened those doors to, obviously there's consequences to government spending, but certainly opened the doors to provide us with the opportunity to do things we may not have done to digitize more of the event, to introduce new technologies to the event that we maybe didn't have the ability to tackle before, especially as a not-for-profit mm-hmm. you know, organization. I think we've all seen now new ways to manage our events in terms of operating them when it comes to the broadcast team. Can we do it with less instead of 200 people and 12 big rig trucks and broadcast center and a media center that's as large as it is, or just the fan experience piece? Maybe driving for continually more people on site isn't always the best direction. 
it really has opened up, I think, the eyes of a lot of different people within the PG Tour, for sure, about how you can do things differently, different types of products that you can have on the market in terms of like ticket products and, and different ways that you can operate the event and, and scale down things that maybe you kept growing, 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 and that costs money. And maybe you can scale down and help yourself be more successful. And the COVID experience has forced that upon us. Those are some of the sorts of things that have come from our colleagues that have had opportunities to run their tournaments and run their events. And um, it's also given us a chance to, you know, look at other things that we've done and that we probably would have loved to do and dig into our data or do those sorts of things we just never would have done because we didn't have the time. And two years of cancellations, we've thought about those things now and, and strategized about those things that will ultimately benefit us in the long term. Yeah, and take that to the next step. Now that you've had a bit of time and not having events the last two years and the thousands and thousands of hours that it takes to uh, to put that together, rather than just sitting on your hands and just waiting on the curb for things to happen in 2022, you are being proactive and engaging your partners, whether it's RBC or also Audi that you have a great relationship with, Golf Canada. I believe you've got an event coming up that you are doing in partnership with Audi over the next couple of weeks in, in August. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. While our major event side of our business has obviously been shuttered for the last two years, the rest of the business has been doing great things. And certainly with our partners, we've invested in, in other places. RBC, just we just announced a big project, Community and Youth Golf Initiative, part of our first T program that has just been launched in the last two years. And uh, this partnership with Audi is another one. And they have had a longstanding event called the Audi Quattro Cup, not being run this year, wasn't run last year, but is one of the largest amateur golf tournaments in the world that they run with their dealers in all countries all over the world. But this is kind of a neat piece that we're doing, the Audi Night Golf Experience. And mm. it's you know, kind of part of the new golf wave, right? And you mentioned Top Golf before, and we talked about really what we see as new golf with the RBC Canadian Open integrating the music and the food and, and the fun and the, the waste management. You know, waste is its own thing, and we need to be authentic to what we are in Canada with the RBC Canadian Open. But, of course. you know, I've learned lots from waste and having traveled to that event and with their staff. But the night golf experience is something we're really excited about. We're running it in three markets this coming uh, September in Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal. It's an opportunity for contest winners, 100 contest winners, to take part in really an adult drive, chip, and putt kind of top golf type experience with DJs and MCs and lights and pageantry and F&B. It's really cool. Really thankful to you know, our partners uh, at Audi to give us this opportunity to run this contest with our Golf Canada membership and give them what will be a really kind of neat experience, celebrate the release of their brand new products, the e-tron GT, which is their fully electric sports car, essentially. Right. Pretty amazing looking, looking vehicle. And it's a fun component. And we're kind of really excited to get to do an event again and get to do something that is going to be a lot of fun and, and be different for people too, not kind of what traditional golf is. And there's more and more of that happening in, in our space that is it's for every golf can be and is for everyone and uh this is just another way to experience what golf is so our participants will do a long drive a, a chip competition a putting competition we'll do a a final closest to the pin type deal and we'll have the mcs and the djs and the sound effects and the lights and production and everything it'll look it'll look really cool so We've got uh, Point Grey Golf and Country Club hosting us in uh, Vancouver. Uh, we're going to be at uh, Lambton uh, Golf and Country Club in Toronto. And then we're going to be at La Mirage in uh, Terrebonne, just outside of uh, Montreal. So really excited about those. And Audi's a great partner of ours and does some really, really innovative things. You know, they're, they're all about driving innovation. Yep, sound like a great partner for you. And unfortunately, sadly for our Mod Golf podcast listeners, those events are invite only to limited about 100 people or so. 
I've been lucky enough to be invited, whether it's a celebrity challenge, if you want to call me a celebrity in the golf space, I guess I'm in the golf, I'm in the <laughs> golf space on some level. So I'm going to be at the Vancouver event, which I believe is on September 4th. So yes, in a couple of weeks from when you are listening now, when we've released this podcast episode, and I believe you and I will see each other in real life for the first time in over two years since we last yes, saw each absolutely. other in Vancouver. Uh, so that's exciting too. So I'm looking forward to that because I love those type of events. As I think you know, anytime I can combine technology, food, music, and golf and a good time, I'm all for it. So it well, uh, ticks all the boxes for me. And it's going to be awesome because we also get to help launch the brand new learning and practice center at Point Grey. They just uh, opened that this year. It's a beautiful new driving range and practice facility. So we're really lucky to be the first uh, non-member corporate event there to launch what it is that they've done there and kind of show it off. So you're going to be really uh, in for a treat with that facility now. Love it. Love it. So I've got to say, watching the ups and downs that you've gone through, not unlike what everybody in every single industry has gone through, but being events-based, it's been so painful. Uh, I, I know between especially the RBC Canadian Open and also the CP Women's Open, those are, I'm assuming, with a sponsorship, those are two of your biggest revenue generators, I'm sure, through partnerships that you have to do all the other great things that you do as part of your business models. The fact you and the team are just showing resilience, fortitude, and optimism, you're all embracing an entrepreneurial spirit that not everybody has, because that's not easy. So hats off to you and everybody at Golf Canada, because that's not easy to pull off. So I'm excited for all the great things that you have going on in a couple of weeks and in 2022 and beyond. I'm looking forward to that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a ton more questions to ask here, but yeah. uh, I'm going to hold off because I want to encourage our listeners to consider watching on the Mod Golf Podcast YouTube channel. So Brian and I are going to jump over there for a video call. I'm going to ask him some different questions, maybe put him on the spot, have a nice conversation over there, touch on some other things, talk about more about the why and the purpose of Golf Canada. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, you certainly can there. So why don't we why don't we just hold it at that? So before we go here, Brian, why don't you let our listeners know the easiest way that they can find out all the great things, both of the RBC Canadian Open and also with Golf Canada, both online and also through social media? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty easy. Just follow Golf Canada, either through the website, any of our social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else. And likewise for all the uh, RBC Canadian Open news, rbccanadianopen.ca. So, uh, you know, we've got all those channels as well. And those that are members of Golf Canada certainly have uh, insider access and front of the line uh, access to everything and uh, as well as all the other great benefits like the opportunity to participate in this Audi Night Golf Challenge or managing your handicap or uh, using the uh, Golf Canada app, which is awesome if you haven't checked out the Golf Canada app and GPSs for all of the yeah. courses you play in Canada and games on, you know, match play and, and skins, and all that sort of stuff on there. So yeah, all, yeah. all those ways. You just hit the Google. There we go. And I I am a user of the Golf Canada app for many things, including my handicap. Uh, there's something wrong with the algorithm, though. For some reason, my handicap's gone up from 13.3 to 16.1 over the last four months. So obviously, something's broken there on your end because I obviously can't be playing worse golf than I have. Wait, oh, wait a second. I, I totally, I totally, totally agree. <laughs> so there you have it. So, hey, as I always do, Brian, uh, in the show notes for this episode and also on your bio page that we put on the on the Mod Golf website, also, I will have all the links for all the things that Brian just mentioned there. So it's easy for you listeners to find all that. So, hey, why don't we finish up there? So Brian Crawford, who is the tournament director of the RBC Canadian Open. Looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks and super excited to see how you reimagine and bring forth the experience of the event in 2022. So, hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you. It's been fun. 
so that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brian Crawford, who is the RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director with Golf Canada. If you'd like to learn more about the RBC Canadian Open, visit our episode show page where we've included website links and contact information. The video link for my extended conversation with Brian is also on the episode show page. And please consider subscribing to our Mod Golf YouTube channel while you're there. If you leave a comment, I promise to respond. I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software and British Columbia Golf, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from golf's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship and community building in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye for now.